This is WTTS In Conversation. I'm Matt Pelser. I was so thankful for this conversation that I had with Eric Hawk of Portugal The Man. We talked at length about everything I've wanted to ask him, from whether the big hit Feel It Still changed the band, to the song they did with Weird Al, yeah, and the message they wanted to send with it, as well as his perspective as a disabled touring musician. As you'll hear, Eric is a delight of a human being. Let's get right to it. Let's uh, let's pound some ground. Let's cover some material. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to go way back uh, to about nine years before you joined the band. I don't have a question about it because you weren't with the band at the time, but I, I thought this was cool. So my wife and I have a signed poster in our basement of a tour that Portugal the Man did back in 06 with Circa Survive, the Twilight Army tour. And I, and I know this is before your time, but I thought that it was a good illustration of just how long Portugal the Man's been at it. And that got me wondering. So Eric, you joined up in 2015. So you got yeah. a little perspective on the pre-feel-it-still times. How did things change once that song came out and started to pick up this crazy momentum? I mean, you, you know I went to elementary school with John and that Zach and I were in punk bands in high school and stuff. I've been in orbit with these guys since, you know, the 80s. So uh, there's there's fun perspective. I mean, it's they they were always the hardest working guys. Like I was in a touring band in 2006 that really felt like, you know, we were out there working hard and we had our boots on and we were, you know, pounding the ground and living in the van and like, you know, sharing a loaf of bread with like lunch meat together and like doing it for the love of the game. They Portugal the man in anatomy before Portugal the man always had like a tenfold work ethic above any of those other mid 2000s bands. They were destitute. They were absolutely broke, homeless, dirty, uh, diseased with dysentery, just disgusting. <laughs> and and they were doing like 300 shows a year on a on a whim and a dream, you know? And uh, that that's always been the kind of work ethic and the mentality behind the band. And it still is. It, so when I came in in 2015, I've been friends with them for a long time and I was, you know, I was talking with Zach in management and with John about coming in on 2007 on the church mouth tour. But to do that, it would have been goodbye job, girlfriend, house, cat, dog, you know, like right. you're, you're going, you're, you're, you're moving in with the circus and you're working hard and you're doing 250 shows, 300 shows a year and you're going to be broke and disgusting while you do it. <laughs> Uh, and I considered it, you know, uh, but it's, it's a lot because that's, that's just the drive that these guys have. So to answer your question in a simple way, it, it hasn't changed. Feel it still wasn't just a fluke. It was a result of a lot of work by psychopaths, uh, not put, <laughs> not, not lifting their foot off the gas pedal ever. Yeah. It all paid off, but things had to have changed in a few different ways. I mean, like th things like TV appearances probably got a little more frequent, but I don't know. Did the band then find that they had more clout to, I don't know, request things on the rider or something like that? Or, or maybe what were some <laughs> intangibles of scoring a mega hit? I will, uh, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. The rider has not changed. <laughs> okay. Uh, the rider is influenced primarily by John's daughter, Francis. Um, so the inspiration the, the for the song. Yeah. So the second she started coming out on the road as, you know, an infant, the writer kind of did this, uh, this right turn to string cheese, uh, baby carrots, hummus, 
<laughs> Gogurt, un- Uncrustables, uh, and, uh, you know, like Welch's fruit snacks and stuff. And it stayed exactly like that. It's still, our writer is still a child's dream of like <laughs> elementary school snack material. And I love that. Um, I think we got a lot more of it as, uh, you know, success kind of happened. We got like three different flavors of Uncrustables and like five different flavors of Pringles. Oh, they're uh, but, really stepping but, it up. <laughs> but yeah, there's like, there's no Goldschlager. There's no uh, Don Perignon. There's no lobsters back there. It's just string cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this song that you did with Weird Al. If you're listening and you don't know what yeah. I'm talking about, do yourself a favor and search Who's Gonna Stop Me. It's a great song, but it's not, I mean, it's not exactly funny. The video is very poignant. A lot of focus on indigenous representation. It's really beautiful. I'm, I'm just really curious how and why someone like Weird Al agreed to do this with you. I, th- I think because we have been bugging Weird Al every day for, you know, like a decade plus because <laughs> he's the greatest. Yeah, he's the best. And I, I think, you know, we wanted to uh, we wanted to get a hit in the modern era for him. This is a guy that's, you know, had success in five decades of music on, on a level that, you know, no other American performer has really hit. Like when you, when you think about like Weird Al's success and longevity, there's no one you can really compare him to like Elton John, maybe, you know, like (laughs) Paul Simon, maybe, but it's just this like extended career of success. So we wanted to get him, uh, the first hit of the 2020s that was that was the goal with who's going to stop me but it was it was also just a great song a heavy duty message and and al was down he was down to deliver it with seriousness and to give it what it deserved he was honestly uh when when he talks about it he's like it it isn't funny but it but it matters and it's meaningful and i wasn't here for this because again this was peak covid when we were putting the video together so we didn't get to make a video together he filmed his part in la we filmed our part up at john's house in troutdale oregon Mm -hmm. but the direction that was handed to al when he was having maybe you know a a hard time wrapping his head around how to be serious in a video the, the direction was act like a vampire vampires are serious you know like you don't have to be funny all the time just be like blah and when you watch the video it is like his kind of skulking you know stalking thing it's very uh nosferatu which when you know that it's like that's funnier than anything like he's he can't help it the guy can't help it he's a comic gem and he's a beautiful person and uh yeah that was that was a highlight for sure. It really comes through. You see a lot of uh, Weird Al eyebrow work in the video, Yo, as it were. Oh, in, independent, <laughs> you know, articulation on on left to right. Just the best eyebrows in the business, hands down. <laughs> Watch out, Peter Gallagher. <laughs> I don't know. Abe Vigoda, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah, had, yeah. Had some good ones, but like, yeah, a good top, top 10 brow game, for sure. On fleek. <laughs> <laughs> so... I know that Weird Al is a person who kind of wants to, at least my perception that he kind of wants to stay neutral on most issues. He didn't have any issue with that. He didn't have any issue with any of the material, anything like that. No, no, absolutely not. I think, I think he's a very self-aware person. And when, when you're talking about uh, things like 
indigenous rights and uh, indigenous issues. They maybe people try to politicize them somewhere down the line, but I think Al and us understand that that's kind of a ridiculous notion that these kind of basic human issues would be politicized in the first place. I think he get I think he got that, and that's kind of always been our take with it. Like, you know, this isn't a red versus blue issue. This isn't like you got to land on one side of the coin or the other. It's like maybe if that coin is you know being on the wrong side of human history and uh seeing like some serious tragedies and inequities and saying nothing about it that would probably you know silence uh, silence would be the worst thing that you could do i think he gets that and ultimately it just it, it turned into this beautiful message really powerful video and and yeah a, a great song and he was all in man he was in <laughs> I think it's kind of sad that I even have to ask that, you know what I mean? Because you're yeah. right, you're right. It is kind of a, it's something that we should all be concerned about. It's something that we shouldn't consider divisive. Can you talk, I guess, a little more about the message that you're sending with the video? Obviously, the band has roots in Alaska where indigenous is- issues are maybe a little more front of mind than they are here in the Midwest. Did the band partner with organizations on this or are there just things that Portugal yeah. Man cares about? Yeah, I mean, the band created an organization around this, and and it is that perspective of growing up as an Alaskan band, super close to um, the indigenous communities, and and uh, you know having that uh, that proximity really inform so much of day to day life up in Alaska in a way that uh, you don't really see in a lot of other places in the world. Just in the, in the touring that I did with the band, we we kicked around the idea of land acknowledgements you know from day one uh, being an important part of the performance but it wasn't until we were on tour in australia in 2017 that um our photographer mcclay harriet kind of introduced us to this world of welcome to country for australian performances and it was um it was just a very well organized roadmap to understanding where you are, what that land represented, who the original tenants of the land were, and it put you in contact with uh, representatives or Aboriginal elders or uncles uh, specific to where you were at that moment. And it wasn't like you have to do an acknowledgement. It was, hey, if you want to have the conversation, here's a great way to do it. So we were really inspired by that. We got back to the States after doing, you know, a number of performances with Welcome to Country and having a lot of incredible conversations. And we put together the PTM Foundation, which was our attempt at at least encapsulating, you know, some of that same outreach effort and some of that perspective of going around the country. So we've done land acknowledgements at just about every performance that we've done since then and we've had that kind of ongoing conversation and that educational field trip and it was because we saw that happen in alaska and we didn't see it happen in a lot of other places but you know thank australia for uh showing us you know this like great rock and roll way to have this conversation and to to continue the education and the perspective that's really wonderful. Do you, have you heard anything negative? I mean, I'm sure you don't want to discuss it, and I don't really either, but have you heard anything from people who are just like, just play the music? That's a common yeah. thing. Yeah, of course. We, I, I think anybody that tours and shares their perspective on touring, 
even anybody that's like telling stories about the road, you'll 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 just hear like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just play your song, uh, shut your mouth. And uh, to an extent, I, I guess I get where they're coming from, but I just I feel like uh, the things that we see on the road, the the ability that we have to travel quickly, and some of the places that we found ourselves in. I just, I, I come back from the road with these crazy stories, you know, like we were, we were touring Germany and Austria when they were having one of their last chancellor elections. And we saw how politically divisive that whole scene was. And how do I come back to the States and not talk about that? You know, we were in, uh, we were in London about to play a show when the Ariana Grande bombing happened. And we played the Bataclan in Paris shortly after it reopened after that shooting. Like these are unbelievable stories in perspective that, you know, we only get from being there and having the conversations with people that are there. So when we have this conversation of, you know, indigenous acknowledgement and land acknowledgement in every city that we go to, we're having really heavy stories and a lot of them center around, you know, generational trauma and um, some really bad stuff that's happened in the country. It's not all good news from history, but it's something that as we learn and we kind of, you know, get educated on, we feel a need to, to share that. Because if we just take all that information in and if it's just, you know, a cul-de-sac or a one-way road that ends with us, like, what was the point of it? So we're just trying to, to pass the mic and continue the message. Eric, I'm really glad that you said that because one thing that I've heard from artists is, you know, in response to that whole just play the music thing, you've got this perspective of traveling the world and seeing things and, you know, being in these places and feeling the weight of that place and what has happened there. And I think that that's a perspective that's worth sharing if not advocating for at least sharing and uh, having that as part of what influences decisions that you make creatively or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a pretentious thing. It's just like, this is a, uh, these are some of the sites that I saw through the windshield. You know, it's like coming back from any trip and talking about what you saw going and seeing a movie and not talking about it in the car afterwards. Like what's the point of that? If you just like, take it, ingest it, sit on it, and then you're on to the next one. It, it just kind of ends and dies there. But if you have this like ongoing conversation, maybe you can learn something from it. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I love the song again. That's who's going to stop me. And you should look it up if you haven't heard it yet. And uh, sorry. Oh, go sorry, ahead. Sorry. My, 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 my dogs are losing their mind on something. Okay. Um, guys, please. Um, <laughs> sorry. That's all right. Um, I, I want to ask about this and if you don't feel like talking about it, it's totally fine. This year marks 16 years since uh, the accident that puts you in the wheelchair. And, and if anyone isn't familiar, it's out there, you can find out about it, but I'm just wondering whether or not you reflect upon or even just recognize when that date clicks by every year. Yeah, it's uh man, it's, it, it's Cinco de Mayo which is is it really wild yeah it is um but there was a that was a that was a heavy day um Obviously. for uh, for a number of reasons um more often than not um i find myself really busy around that it's kind of like late spring festival touring so i'm usually on the road and it's again kind of like the birthday it's one of those things i don't really think about until i start getting texts rolling in like 
hey, buddy, I love you. I'm like, oh, that's nice. And then I get another one like, hey, man, thinking of you. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. No, and then, you know, after re- a few more, yeah, I'll sit and I'll reflect on it. But I mean, my God, I, uh, I'm, I'm sitting pretty and I am, I'm proud of the stubbornness uh, and like kind of the indomitable human spirit of just like, well, I was kind of touring and involved in some bars and some businesses before. And now I'm touring and I'm involved in some bars and some businesses and like life goes on. I've seen, uh, I've seen traumatic injuries completely upend people's lives. And I've seen a lot of people think that, you know, they need to completely reimagine who they are when something like that happens. And it's just kind of a response to trauma, but like I have the, I'm fortunate to have the benefit that, you know, my accident happened and uh, I knew who I was and I wanted to kind of keep being that person. And I've just been able to find a way to, to be sort of the ultimate version of myself and stay out on the road and, and keep touring with me mates. And uh, I'm in a great spot with it. That's inspiring, man. That's really, really special. I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it does it does wreck a lot of people and I'm sure in, in a way or two, it, it, it wrecked you, but uh, to keep doing what you were doing prior to and to keep developing, you know, we hear it when we listen to your work and uh, just, I guess one more thing, surely not all venues are as accessible as they need to be. I'm sure you run into it all the time. What are some of the more frequent challenges you have to deal with? Oh yeah, no, it's, it's everywhere. And if, if anything, that's part of it is a will, will roll into a place and if i'm playing like a medieval or a victorian theater and they got like a spiral staircase down to the green room like say love you know there's there's only so much that you can kind of advocate for and the change of that it's like well here's your path to the stage but here's where the orchestra pit was in the 1700s so you're gonna have to go around that i'm like all right cool i get that it's the outdoor festivals it's the things that get built in real time usually out in a parking lot or a field or a lakefront or whatever it is where you know that there was nothing there the weekend before and then people had to make decisions like okay here's where the green room area is and here's where the stage is and here's where catering is if you're making that shoots and ladders and making that you know not just inaccessible for me uh but inaccessible for disabled concert goers you're making a decision to like put that bathroom up steps or, you know, put a steep staircase up to the stage. And the wild thing is so much of our world in the production side of things in touring, everything's in a road case on wheels, you know, everything rolls in, rolls out. So if I got a bad time, it means that the whole crew has a bad time. It means the whole house crew production side of things is having a hard time, like lugging these heavy things up and down steps so if anything i feel like uh if i got a good day if i've you know everything's free and clear and smooth for me the whole festival is going to be run better and cleaner so you know go into festivals encountering accessibility saying something about it and then like coming back the next year to that same festival and seeing changes it's hugely hugely inspirational and uh it lets you know that, yeah, these decisions are being made in real time, but you can make a bad choice and then learn from it and the next year make a better choice. Guitarist Eric Hawk from Portugal, the man. Thank you so much for your time, Eric. This was fun. Yeah, buddy. Absolutely. What a guy. I appreciated that from him. 
This has been WTTS In Conversation. Tis the season. If you're listening on the app, we've got a holiday music channel streaming now. You can just be boop right on over to that. Uh, Festive selections with a TTS twist. And it's Made Merry by Silver in the City, Indy's favorite local gift shop, Corbell, California Champagne, Make It Gold, and Northview Church. They'll save you and your whole family a seat at one of their Christmas services. I'm Matt Pelser. We're going to take a little break for the holidays, and we'll be back with a new episode in January. Talk to you then.